from uh, about 15 years on up, uh, a great deal of my thoughts were uh, basically unshareable. We are all evil in some form or another. Yes, I am not 100%, but I am evil. My mother was a, a sick, angry, hungry, and very sad woman. I hated her, but I wanted to love my mother. This is Serial Killing, a podcast. Hello again, and welcome to Serial Killing, a podcast, where we go through the life stories of serial killers to see if we might catch a glimpse of why they displayed their famous, vile, and disturbing behaviors. Special thanks to some of my patrons, Marie, Jessica, Janice, Pixie, Rachel, Whitney, Maya, Alethea, Elena, Katoras, Catherine, Sam, Linda, Katarina, Teresa, Sophie, Nanette, my dear two Emmas, Emily, Galen, Bree, David, John, and Judy. Thank you so, so much. You are truly appreciated. And for anyone else, please feel free to join my patrons so that I can bring you more of what you crave. I'm kind of working on a special project right now that will be over on Patreon exclusively. Also, like, share, and subscribe. It just might make our little community grow. And if you happen to watch on YouTube and also use Spotify, consider watching on Spotify instead as they have been kind enough to sponsor me a little and, and well, we all know how YouTube treats a true crime community. But rest assured, my podcasts are all written with a listener only in mind, so nothing is missed. Today's podcast will be on Piroshka Jensko Ladiani. I am quite sure that I mispronounced that, and I deeply apologize to the Hungarian people if I have. Also, I do have to put out my disclaimer, disclaimer, because, well, this one involves children and it gets pretty graphic. Now, I know that's what most of you are here for in the first place, but, you know, I don't make the rules. Piroshka was born on January 15, 1934, in a smaller central eastern town in Hungary. So as we do, let's get into some history for that time. 1934, we see one of the worst years of the Great Depression, but also what was described as the turning point. The world's economy had hit rock bottom, but unemployment percentages were just beginning to go down. But people were still very scared, and unfortunately, during this time in history, some of the more evil, up-and-coming world leaders took advantage of that fear. Adolf Hitler declared himself the ultimate ruler ushering in the age of Nazism. Stalin began his massacres referred to as the Great Purge. Setong also began to spread his communist doctrine. The dictator of Brazil, Vargas, nearly turned the country into a fascist police state. It was setting the stage for further world problems, namely World War II. In the U.S., hundreds of thousands of people had lost their homes and were forced to live in slums with substandard living conditions. The National Public Housing Conference decided to promote slum clearance to start building public housing called the New Deal. 
This began the inner city slum clearance in New York and elsewhere. Also in 1934, Bonnie and Clyde, which I will do a podcast about in the future, were hunted down by the FBI as well as police from Texas and Louisiana and ultimately gunned down and killed. Over in Scotland, the famous, quote, surgeon's photograph of Nessie, the Loch Ness Monster, was taken. An 8.0 megawatt earthquake struck Nepal and other areas causing extreme damage and loss of life. Greece, Romania, Turkey, and Yugoslavia formed the Balkan Pact, which was designed to maintain the geopolitical status of those areas after World War I and Bulgaria banned political parties. But in Piroshka's home country of Hungary during this time, it was a rightist country. The government advocated a nationalist Christian policy favoring heroism, faith, and unity, and despised the liberal and socialist ideologies of the 19th century. The government was against cosmopolitanism and Freemasonry. They continued on with rule with a small group of aristocrats, civil servants, and army officers, all with counter-revolutionary Admiral Horthy at the helm, so to speak. He effectively became the country's regent until he was overthrown in 1944. Piroshka's mother was Borbala, who was born in 1909 into an extremely poor family. It was reported that there were 16 children, including Borbala, and unfortunately, only three survived past infancy. Borbala, of course, and two sisters. Those two sisters would later end their own lives after they were grown. Borbala's father died when she was only eight years old. Because her mother was now a widow, Borbala simply had to quit school before her 10th birthday and start working young. There was no other option. She did initially try working as a maid for local farmers and they, in turn, would pay for her living expenses. When she was 16 years old, she was a full-time sex worker. Of course, this was not ideal, but it did make her enough money to survive. However, due to this career choice, her entire family, including her mother, turned their backs on her and disowned her. Borbala went on to initially have two children from two different fathers, pregnancies resulting from her job. She would eventually have five children from four different fathers. The first two fathers, of course, would not acknowledge the children as their own. Piroshka being the first child and then a little brother born nine years later in 1943. It was said that Piroshka's father was eventually forced to pay her mother a bit of money, but he was then allowed to basically wash his hands of his daughter. Her little brother's presumed father was of Jewish descent, and he would eventually be hauled off to a concentration camp, and he was never seen alive again. On the bright side, the little boy did inherit the man's estate, and as a result, Borbala and the children were able to move into a very modest old house. 
But the locals knew pretty quickly what was going on in that house and said that it was, in fact, a brothel. But the house was described as, quote, simple farmhouse painted in yellow, consisting of three rooms. The two windows of the room facing the street and the kitchen and the pantry looked out onto the porch. The fence was set in the winter. In the summer, they just cut through the yard, trampling between meters of weeds on the path to the kitchen door. The two street windows were covered with tar paper. End quote. The fence was used as firewood to keep warm during the winter. As the story goes, two of the rooms were used for storage, sort of hoarder style, and they lived in one room all together. It is safe to say that the house and the lawn around it were not taken care of. There was no bathroom in the house, so they utilized the outside for that. Bathing on the infrequent occasion they would bathe, they would bring water in the house and put it in a deep dish or bowl and try to clean their bodies that way. Now, when she was not even yet 12 years old, Piroshka's mother began selling her for sex work as well. Often the two would work together and keep in mind they lived in the one room. More often than not, the mother and daughter were paid with bread or tallow, which is basically rendered beef fat and rarely with actual cash. And sources say both girls contracted sexually transmitted diseases from their clients. Borbala preferred to service Hungarian men, but the now 14-year-old Piroshka preferred to service the Soviet soldiers at a Russian telephone station nearby. But when young Piroshka wasn't working, so to speak, she just simply wandered around her local area, getting drunk and stealing. She would, on occasion, decide to walk the straight and narrow and get a more conventional job, but they never lasted and she would quit. She also actually enjoyed reading and was seen consuming books and novels about human anatomy. She also wrote poetry and could speak fluent Russian. She would later be evaluated by a psychiatrist who said that she had an above average intelligence. But since an education and sense of wanting something better for herself was never instilled within her, during her wanderings, drinking, and stealing, she would get into trouble with the police on several occasions. One police officer later claimed that Piroshka, quote, lives an immoral lifestyle, and if she can, she would go to the Soviet soldiers, doesn't usually stay at her parents' house, goes out and lives like a tramp rather than live a normal life, end quote. And this is what I could find about her childhood. So let's take a look. So I'd say it seems fairly obvious that this girl would grow up to have some issues. Her mother exposed her to sex and prostitution from basically birth. Inappropriate exposure to sexual themes in children have short and long-term effects. Children absorb everything about their environments, and imitation is the first step in getting a sense for their environment. 
Exposure to sexual activity in the initial years will make that child most likely want to display those behaviors through imitation. When sexual acts are observed in front of a child, and especially on a daily basis, it becomes wired within their minds that that is just routine and becomes a sort of safety zone for the child. This exposure to sex alters the child's perception about the people involved. Exposure to sex before the body and the mind are mature enough to process everything that comes with it causes distress or glitches, if you will, within the mind. It can also cause issues involving addiction, depression, social anxiety, premature sexual interactions with peers, confusion about healthy expression of sexuality, sexual assault, isolation, self-injury, doing harm to others, suicidal ideation, and on and on. And we know Pedroshka had no way of getting away from her mother's occupation, if you will, because they all lived in and shared one room. And then before she was even on the precipice of puberty, her mother began selling her for sex. And of course, we realize that younger sex workers experience a disproportionately high risk of STDs and HIV infections. Physical trauma to an immature genital tract increases the risk of those as well. Substance abuse percentages also nearly skyrocket. Children who are exposed to inappropriate sexual themes, that arousal is then imprinted via epinephrine and can be a challenge to mend. Being that sex and sexual themes are overly stimulating to the brain, you then have a child who will need more intense and disturbing behaviors to get that rush of epinephrine and the cycle continues. So in 1953, when Poroshka was 19 years old, she was wandering through a field and happened upon 11-year-old Marika. This young girl helped herd cattle outside of town. Now, the two parted ways, but then a few months later, Poroshka saw young Marika again inside of a small shop waiting in line to purchase some food. For whatever reason, she decided she wanted to get the girl back to her house, so she told her she had treats at her house and talked Marika into following her home. Once there, Piroshka gave Marika a book. Some sources stated it was a comic book to read, and Marika sat down to read it. Once her attention was fully on the reading material, Piroshka took an electrical wire quickly put it around Marika's neck and began strangling her. Once the young girl had died, Poroshka then, brace yourselves, took the clothes off of the remains and rubbed her, let's say, groin area on the remains until she climaxed. It was said that she also performed oral sex on the remains. When she was finished, she then put a blanket around the body, tied a noose around the neck, and dragged it outside, dumping it into a well. Now, Marika's disappearance was reported, and there were some witnesses who saw the girl walking off with someone, but 
the police did nothing to investigate. You see, with the Soviet occupation and heavy propaganda and military presence, that there should be no crime in a communist country. The local authorities were too frightened to follow up on it, and so the case immediately went cold. A year went by, and the now twenty-year-old Piroshka was back in the market when she befriended a thirteen-year-old girl, whose name was also Piroshka, who was selling chickens. Now, our Piroshka saw that the younger was having some difficulty selling her remaining chickens, so she invited her to come home with her, and she would buy her remaining inventory. Again, she gave the girl some sort of book to read while she snuck up behind her and strangled her with a wire. Once the girl was gone, she did the same to her as she had done to her previous victim. This time, using a carrot on herself, and I'll leave it at that. She inserted a long broomstick into the remains in the. Same area, and when she was satiated, she stole what money the girl had had on her, throwing the girl's clothes away and disposed of the girl in the well. Only a couple of months later, Piroshka ran into an acquaintance and old lover, seventeen-year-old Edine, who was originally from Budapest. Back then, it was illegal to be gay, and she was afraid her lover could expose her. So she lured Edine to her house, where she again strangled her victim with a wire, undressed the remains. Only this time, she noticed Edine had visible signs of an STD, so she did not perform sexual acts on the body. She dragged and disposed of the body in the well, stealing what money Edine had had on her person. Only two days later, in the middle of August, nineteen fifty-four, Piroshka noticed a twelve-year-old also named Marika at a bus stop and stopped to chat with her. Marika said that she was visiting family. Piroshka offered to walk her to her destination, and Marika happily agreed. But first, well, they'd have to make a stop at Piroshka's house to deliver a package. Marika met the same fate as the other girls, both in being strangled and the very disturbing sexual behaviors performed on her post mortem. Her little body was thrown with the others in the well. Three days after this, Piroshka noticed thirteen-year-old Kataka at a nearby train station. Striking up a friendly conversation, she was able to lure the young girl back to her house. She too met the same fate as the other four victims. Only this time, she mutilated the remains on top of the other atrocities committed to the body. She kept the girl's clothes and threw the body down into the well. She then sold Katoka's clothes for money and went on about her day. Now the local villagers were beginning to become frightened that there was someone out on the loose, and these young girls kept disappearing. Most locals blamed the Soviet soldiers occupying the area for the disappearances, as more and more complaints were turned into the local police station. And yet, 
The authorities did not send out investigators. No photographs of the missing girls were distributed. No statements taken or witnesses interviewed. It got so ugly that the locals began blaming the local Jewish community, stating they were using the blood of these missing girls to, quote, rebuild the synagogue. (sighs) The next month in September, a young woman walked into a police station and reported that Piroshka had tried to strangle her with a cord. She stated that she had met Piroshka at a train station and they chatted and got to know each other as they both began looking for a local job. They had talked about going to an amusement park to cut loose and relax and have some fun. Somehow, she talked her into going somewhere a bit more private, I believe the home, where she gave the woman some brandy to drink, thus making her sleepy. She awoke to find her companion trying to strangle her. They wrestled, and the girl was able to escape. Finally, Piroshka was brought in for questioning. She refused to give an official statement, so officers went to her house looking for some stolen clothes that had been taken from the young woman. While searching her home, they discovered the well nearby, and when they opened the metal door on top, that was when they discovered the bodies submerged in the water and mud at the bottom. An officer who went down into the well to retrieve the bodies stated, quote, Down there, in a roughly sitting position, one could see the body of a girl. She was completely naked. Her head leaned to one side, half of her mutilated face protruding from the water. Next to her head was a soul tossed on the corpse and a military belt, end quote. And though it took several hours to remove the bodies and they had to have assistance from the local fire department, all were retrieved. The news of the murders exploded throughout the country and experts believed that there could be no way her mother had not been aware of the murders, so they arrested Borbala as a suspect as well. A report about the condition of the inside of their house was as follows. Quote, The building consists of two parts, a kitchen with two beds and a table. There are two pillows on the bed, the color of which could not be determined due to the amount of dirt. The apartment in Earthy, including the living room and kitchen. In the middle of the room, there are tables, while behind the back door, there's a five-pattern cast-iron stove set on three bricks. Both rooms are filthy, while the wall, which was once colored white, now cannot be distinguished due to dust and dirt. Both rooms have house mice and fleas. The clothing and beddings are unwashed and dirty, as is the cutlery. The side chamber is built near the building. There are two used perforated logs in the side chamber in addition to human feces, end quote. And this is the best that the translation could do. So as the coroners began to try to examine the bodies, the advanced state of decomposition made identifying the girls quite difficult. 
The parents of the victims, for whatever reason, refused to collect their daughters for burial. So they were all buried together in an ornamental tomb, and each grave was adorned with a wooden cross. The rest of Borbala's children were taken by Hungary's version of Child Protective Services and were all adopted at a later date. The farmhouse itself was left abandoned for a few years, then finally purchased, and the new owner had it demolished nearly immediately. They then built a new house over the same spot. A local Hungarian newspaper reported, quote, A multiple child murderer was sentenced to death. On September 29th, the county court heard the case of Piroshka, who was accused of five-fold murder, one attempted murder, five-fold fraud, and one theft. The investigation and the county court found that Piroshka was a morally depraved woman who began her immoral life as a child. Piroshka committed the most serious crime. She killed children. The county court sentenced Piroshka to death as a final sentence. Along with her case, the court also discussed the case of her mother, Borbala, who was accused of committing the crime of prostitution, crimes against the youth, and theft of social property. She was sentenced to two years and six months in prison and banned from exercising her civil rights for another three years. End quote. So during Piroshka's trial, she changed her story many times, stating she had had accomplices at first, naming specific people who were also arrested but then later released as it was proven they could not have taken part in the murders. Borbala testified that her daughter had been a difficult child who was always fighting with other children. She said that Piroshka had frequently ran away from home, only to return a short time later. And again, she had been in trouble with the law on a few occasions before she began her campaign of murder. She also said that her daughter loved to eat raw meat for whatever that's worth, due to killing stray dogs and cats in the area. Her mother testified that Piroshka had sexually assaulted her younger siblings and she caught her in the act. So in December 1954, 20-year-old Piroshka was hanged to death. The victim's families were able to watch the execution. She was buried in an unmarked grave in the non-Christian section of the cemetery. Her mother was sentenced to life imprisonment. After her degrading mental and physical health, she was transferred to a different prison, but eventually died in the late 1960s. Now, I relied heavily on information from a Hungarian young lady's channel titled Timea Time and from her video, quote, The Girl Who Killed Girls, The Story of a Sadistic Serial Killer. Who better to get information from than someone from that area and very familiar with the details? Piroshka was a serial killing necrophile. So tell me, guys, what do you think? Leave me a comment below or send me a DM on Instagram at serial underscore killing. 
you can email me at serialkillinginstagram at gmail.com. And as always, thank you so much, guys, for listening, because I know you could be listening to anyone else, but you chose me, and I really appreciate that. Thanks so much, guys. Have a great day.